Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. International students come to Canadian schools from all over the world, and they pay much higher tuition than Canadian students. Everybody knows that. But not everybody knows how much more they pay and how big a deal it is. Before the pandemic, they were paying four times as much as domestic students on average. And the total amount of tuition that international students brought in to Canadian schools has been $5.1 billion every year. Canadian schools have gotten very reliant on that revenue. In Ontario alone, StatsCan estimated that money from foreign students was about to equal the amount of money schools get from the provincial government. And I always figured that this was fine. I thought it was fine. I mean, if kids from around the world think that our schools are so great, why not let them pay? And if they're willing to pay a premium then let them. I always figured that these were rich kids from countries whose schools were not as good as ours. Well, it turns out that I had this very wrong. The truth about international students is far more complicated and far more troubling. Considering studies in Canada, this year Laurentian launched Canada's best international scholarship program. 
With Laurentian's program, international students can qualify for up to $60,000 in scholarships over the course of their studies. That's right, $60,000 towards your... Before Laurentian University declared insolvency this year, they wooed international students with the idea that Laurentian University wasn't interested in taking their money, it was interested in giving them money in the form of scholarships. But the fact is, Laurentian and many schools like it, became addicted to the inflated tuition fees that it charges international students. And when COVID cut off that revenue stream, well, I guess we'll see if Laurentian can even survive that. The pandemic has been disastrous for Canadian schools. But what has it meant for students? Today, I'm not talking about Canadian students, but specifically, what has the pandemic meant for the thousands of international students who have invested so heavily in Canada? Today, you're going to hear from a person who knows the answer to that question firsthand. And that is our producer, Damalola Oname. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Rebecca Rosen, Jesse Bett, Margot Kelly, Debbie Nybergall, R.J. Gardner, Colleen Vince, Patrick Wynne Williams, and James. Bonjour, je m'appelle James. Je suis un contributeur Wikipédia basé à Toronto, et je supporte Canada Land à cause de l'excellent travail donné par Ryan McMahon et Emily Nicolas. Merci beaucoup. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. 
In December 2018, I arrived in Canada. I left behind my family, my friends, and a five-year career as a news anchor and producer. I left behind everything I had ever known in Nigeria to become an international student. And I did all of this with the hope of becoming a permanent resident in Canada. The first thing I did was seek out an education agent. These people are everywhere, in Canada, in much of the West, and the global South. And their job is simple. Promote Canadian institutions and recruit students for them. I am Sanchari Senrai. We started from one university to 60 community colleges and universities of Canada. It's Algonquin, Bow Valley, Sheridan, Humber, Georgian, Brock, Wilfrid Laurel, Carlton, uh, Cardiff, to name a few of the universities. Sanchari Senrai is an education agent. She's the co-founder of Education Consultants Canada. They are based in Mississauga, Ontario. So we have our offices in um, India, in Philippines and Vietnam, because logistically you cannot have offices in every part of the country or every part of the globe. So we have local representatives in the countries. Um, there are offices, uh, yes, we have offices in Philippines and India and Canada, but we have our local representatives in South America, Africa, um, India, Vietnam, and so these uh, local representatives, representatives who speak the local language get those international students here and forward their queries to us. And we have a work of 500 plus representatives all over the globe recruiting students for us. When I decided to leave my old life behind and become an international student, I was torn between England and Canada. But the agent had told me Canada was easy to migrate to and that the path to permanent residency was straightforward. Since I was making this move solely to have a shot at permanent migration, the decision was simple. I went ahead and put in applications to the Canadian schools and for my study permit myself. And soon I was on my way to earning my degree, the first step in my permanent residency journey. I am just one of the millions of people who have walked this walk. My name is Jinj Rairod. I used to be an international student here in Canada in 2015. I worked four years as a nurse in India, and then I identified nursing career doesn't getting much recognition or even remuneration in India as it's supposed to be. Then I did my research and uh, I identified Canada is a potential country for me, not in terms of the remuneration only, but I was comparing my country, India, with Canada, and every single aspect, I found Canada is very attractive. You know, the population, the air quality, the pollution thing, and everything, the size and everything, culture, I found Canada is very attractive. So then I decided, okay, I'm going to study something in Canada. And that's how, in 2015, I came here in Canada as an international student. So my name is Nora Dakim. I am currently third-year medical student at the University of Toronto. I have lived in Canada for about seven years now as an international student. Honestly, in search of just basic life needs, I would say, like that feeling of security, that feeling of comfort, or even things like having power for 24 hours, little things that are not as present in Nigeria. And even like the Nigeria as I knew it like seven years ago has 
I want to say things have even gotten worse than they were when I was in the country. And so just seeing how like bleak the future of the country was looking was kind of one of the main factors I would say why I decided to move to Canada. My name is Aziza Ishola. I was an international student and I've been one for the past seven, eight years. I ended up choosing the University of Toronto because at the time, what we had been told was that was the like best school, best university in Canada, you know, education was like the best. The recruitment agents are paid by the schools, the same schools which rely on them to send them a constant stream of new students from across the globe. The reality, which I admit I did not fully understand at the time, is that they work for the schools, not the students, and they get paid more when students go to more expensive schools. For those of us who are primarily concerned with residency, the reputation of the institution doesn't really matter. A less expensive school would mean you have more money for getting a study permit, for travel expenses, living expenses. But for the agent, the more expensive the school, the better. They tell you that after school, you qualify for a postgraduate work permit, which is true. That work permit allows you to live and work in Canada for up to three years. In that time, you can apply for permanent residency. You're promised that the process is seamless, but that is not true. The real challenges are... Do you have enough money to complete your studies over the course of two to four years? What if you can't find work in Canada afterwards? Are jobs even available in Canada in the field you are paying so much to be educated in? None of this is your agent's concern. As long as you pay your first year's tuition, they get their commission. So my name is Earl Blaney. I'm a licensed immigration consultant and I'm an education agent. Earl Blaney says the whole recruitment process is a disgrace. The problem is it's falling short across the board. Elle says the schools have no responsibility for what the agents tell international students when they recruit them. And the agents have no responsibility for what actually happens to the students at the schools. But typically you're looking at uh, total revenue per successful student being somewhere about 3000 to up to four dollars or $5,000, right? So it's a large chunk of money for the education agent handling the file, right? That's per student. And some of that money, of course, comes in whether the student is successful or not. To make matters worse, the Canadian government has been promoting a method to drastically scale up the number of international students flowing into Canadian schools. The Embassy of Canada is promoting aggregators, as they're called. These large companies which have established connections with schools and said, look, we have a recruitment contract and now they'll sublet it to as many as 4,000 different agents on the ground. None of these agents have a real connection with the college at all, but they have access to that recruitment fund flow, right? None of the schools even know who these people are, have met them or can control their messaging whatsoever to the student. So I think you've got a lot of people involved in this business that absolutely should not be, right? The problem mainly with overseas education agents is that Generally speaking, none of these people have even been to Canada in the first place. They have no idea, you know, how the labor market here functions, what is in demand, what is in need. And they're providing really bad guidance and advice on those points. These aggregators, what they are, are education agents. They're large education agents, often multi-million dollar to billion dollar industries, which have signed recruitment agreements with schools. That's International Student 2.0. 
It totally empowers education agents across the board to connect to schools for commissions. And it empowers the, uh, colleges or, or, or Canadian designated learning institutions to do massive, massive recruitment, right? Without even knowing who's recruiting for them, let alone be responsible in any way, right? And so that's where we are now. That's what the government of Canada is currently embracing, believe it or not, despite many, many people being very concerned about this. But again, what's best for business? That's best for business. Consumer protection aside, unfortunately. Earl wants me to be better protected as a consumer. But I never considered myself that. I came here to be a student, then a resident, and hopefully, eventually, a citizen. But like many others, it was not until I arrived here that I realized that the country I aspire to live in, along with the agents and the schools I came here for, have helped sell me a lie. In 2019, of the over 640,000 international students in Canada, 34% were from India. Many of them come from low-income families. These are the students driving the international education industry and rolling in large numbers at community colleges for a shot at the life they were promised. An international student would pay between thirty dollars to $60,000 per year for an undergraduate program before other fees and living expenses. For domestic students, it's around six to maybe $10,000 Canadian government at every level have been working hard to get Canadian schools as many international students as possible, actively promoting and encouraging international enrollment in the last decade. The United Nations consistently ranks Canada as one of the best places in the world to live. But did you know it's also one of the best places to study? You can apply for a study permit as soon as you've been accepted to a Canadian college, university, Check and see if the program you plan to take will make you eligible for a post-graduation work permit, the top choice for international students who want to work after they study. After all this, maybe you too can become Canadian, eh? In 2019, Ottawa renewed the school, announcing a five-year, $148 million international education strategy. The government has never been shy about its commitment to keeping this almost $22 billion industry successful and to using international students to fill the gaps in the labor market. In 2019, Jim Carr, then Minister of International Trade Diversification, said, quote, Competitor countries in this sector recognize the long-term benefits of international education. They have upped their game, and to remain competitive, we opt our game too, end quote. Marco Mendicino, the Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship, also very recently said the government wants these international students to not just study in Canada, but stay here. And as I've said before, international students are ideal candidates for permanent residency. And we don't just want them to study here. We want them to stay here. You know, it's very nice to hear Canadian politicians say that uh, they want students like me to stay here post-graduation. But in reality, many of us don't even get that far. Here again is Azizat Ishola. Back home, we had an economic like recession. You know, the value of our currency, Naira, was really bad against the dollar. So it was like... Compared to, you're paying basically times two of what you were paying for when I started, like, university. 
within like a year or two years. And that was, was just a lot, I would say, of strain on my parents. And I eventually had to take a break from University of Toronto because at that point, my parents couldn't afford the school anymore. When I started, I think just general tuition was like 40 something thousand dollars. And that was like excluding um, accommodation like residence. But by the time I had left, it was like closer to like 60,000. Here's Jin Shryroth again. Sometimes I have to cash advance from my credit account. Sometimes I have to borrow money from my friends, sometimes from my employer. Sometimes I even used to do two or three jobs at the same time. And that's how I managed to pay all the tuition fees. In two years, I paid 32, almost 32,000 Canadian dollars to Seneca. And that amount of money, like, you know, like, where does that come from? As I told, I was very limited resources back home in India. Uh, my parents was not that rich to pay me everything. These students are already thousands of dollars down the hole. And when it becomes uncertain how to continue funding their education, the schools, they don't really help. Financial resources for international students are minimal to non-existent. By, like, my medical school, things just took a turn for not, like... It took me to a place where I never imagined I would be. Different things compounded and it left me in a situation where I had to pay. It was a minimum of about 80-something thousand or be forced to take a leave of absence. I was supposed to be a full-time student, but I was full-time a financial, I don't know what I would call it, not necessarily a guru, but I was taking meetings, going to banks, asking like if there was a possibility to get like Lines of credit, typically if you're a Canadian medical student, you can get a line of credit for up to like $350,000 from the bank. Um, that's not something that's available for non-Canadian citizens or non-permanent residents. So I was talking to banks, I was asking around, applying for scholarships, applying for grants, like the few that were available to international students. I wasn't successful in raising that amount. When it comes to financial resources for international students are very, very slim. It doesn't matter even if your grades, you're maybe top of your class, like just the pool, like the number of scholarships that will be available to you are just so limited. I have like kind of the, my Canadian like counterparts and classmates and people who are also permanent residents. You have access to a number of like bursaries, grants, financial aid, scholarships, and loans, which international students, zero to none. Almost every time I see a scholarship thing, the first thing I look up for is to see if I'm eligible. I don't even start to look up, like, you know, how much is it, what they're... Because even if they're asking for community work or my grades to be high, even if I have all of those, usually the drawback is the color of my passport. So when I did take my break, the first break I took in 2016, I started working then at an overnight job at Indigo. But then I had to stop once the school session started because the rules, it says on the website, the immigration website, that once you're not schooling, like once you're not um, enrolled full-time, you can't work. And even if you are enrolled full-time, you're only allowed to work 20 hours a week. So it was a really hard place or hard spot to be in because I was having financial issues and that was the only reason why I took a break from school but then I couldn't work at all so I was making zero dollars I mean nothing could go towards 
you know, adding towards uh, the school fees, nothing towards my rent. So it just felt like I was alone at this point. Um, I couldn't do anything to help myself. I definitely am not putting the honors on the school at this point in the sense of, you know, I couldn't afford it. They should have given me like a handout or anything. Yes, we do pay way more. But I think the biggest thing for me is it almost seems like we're just there to give them our money. It doesn't feel like we're part of the, you know, we're part of, you know, we're coming here to school. We're spending our money here. We should feel some sort of welcome and like you're actually willing to invest in us as well. That just, like we pay, I mean, I'm paying 60000 and like uh, domestic students are paying like, what, 9000 maybe ten, And... <laughs> you hear that we're having issues, they do feel like that because it's like, at the end of the day, there are a lot of international students who are not dealing with this. I'm not saying something you have to, but I think it would be nice to not feel like more than, it would be nice to feel, excuse me, more than like a cash cow. Yeah, it is true that international students has to pay a lot more money than the domestic students, but the service you are getting is the same. You're not getting any additional service. It's not like a double the money, more than sometimes three times bigger than that. And I don't think international students are getting any extra service for that. So I really believe that's unfair. Here again is immigration consultant and recruitment agent Earl Blaney. One of the main problems is the government and how they evaluate study permit applications. Because how they evaluate uh, study permit applications... Canadian Missions Abroad is totally disconnected, brutally disconnected with Global Affairs Canada's strategy and skills acquisition of international students. There's a total disconnect there that seems like it's unresolvable. Like when you look at the Canadian government's high level international student policy, the number one factor is to make money. Let's be clear about that. And the number two is skills acquisition. Like what students do we want? How are we going to integrate these people into our workforce? We want to retain you. I mean, the minister said that. Well, if that's the case, we need to know what areas of programming at community colleges, which is where most people are coming, are well connected to labor market success post-graduation. So the problem, again, goes to course selection and labor market requirements, right? The schools themselves couldn't be more unclear about what is the edu-employment outcome of this program. I mean, the consumer, the client, looks at it by NOC code, right? They look at the National Occupation Classification System because they understand that there are certain skill levels there. The uh, skill level position will lead to immigration, potential success, and an unskilled position would not. Knowing that in advance and, and knowing what the edu employment outcome is and having data to back that up is what's required here. How many people would come and take a pharmacy assistant technician program at a college here in Southern Ontario if they knew that was an unskilled outcome? Zero is the answer. How many come? Hundreds is the answer. International students face an entirely different set of circumstances than domestic students. Great example. You come to Canada and study a general business program, whether it's international business or a general business, and that's what a lot of them are coming to study. Once you graduate, Maybe you have a degree from the Philippines, Nigeria beforehand. How credible is that uh, for a Canadian employer? Zero, not at all, right, generally speaking. Your employment experience in Nigeria, Philippines, how credible is that for a Canadian employer? Zero, not at all, right? So what do you have in their view? Some kind of background that's gray, 
And then you have a two-year or one-year post-secondary, uh, you know, uh, credential from Canada. Zero work experience, zero references, uh, in most cases, zero professional references. If you're a domestic student, you know, a, a white kid from Canada who's just graduated and, uh, you know, you've got all the time in the world to build up your work experience at entry level and move on to skilled level position and have a great career. You've got all the time in the world. An international student at maximum has three years to make that adjustment, right? That's the duration of their post-graduation work permit. And often it's a one-year permit. So they have to get out. They have to be employment ready at skilled level. They're at a major disadvantage compared to Canadian students. And nobody is addressing that. At universities, hey, let me help you fix up your resume or colleges. Hey, let me help you Canadianize your resume. But, you know, who's helping them with this uh, counterbalance, right? Nobody, right? They're, they're treating them just like they are domestic students with a few cultural here and there, uh, you know, hints and tips thrown in. Doesn't work. Not working. Every student who comes to Canada with the hope of living here believes that they will succeed. But only three in 10 of us actually make it to permanent residency. Going to college or university is a leap of faith for everyone. But for international students, the stakes are much higher. They have to deal with things like currency fluctuations and how that affects their tuition. Will all the money from their parents be wasted? And will they have to go home with nothing to show for it all? The whole thing was already quite problematic. And then came a global pandemic. Last year, international education took a huge blow. Travel was grounded. So many international students could not travel into Canada. Canadian schools felt the pain also. Dalhousie University in Halifax said it expected a decline of about $37.8 million from international fees last year. The University of British Columbia also expected to lose $77 million from the same source. While Statistics Canada projected that Canadian universities could see an aggregate loss of up to $2.5 billion for the 2020-2021 school year, largely because of reduced enrollment of foreign students. A solution was quickly devised. International students were allowed to enroll in school from abroad. They will also be eligible for their postgraduate work permits when they graduate and are eventually able to enter Canada. Here is Farouk Adu. He is one of such students who was told the same tale, that study permits route is the easiest way to obtain permanent residency in Canada. He enrolled in school online last year and paid his fees. But things did not go the way he had been promised they would. My process of getting a study permit has been extremely challenging. I've been rejected twice now, and there is no reason. I had so much evidence. Basically, like, I went to school in England. I came back. I went to school in America, did my master's in America in the U.S. I came back. My family company... I've sent all of that to them. Like, my family company is going to pay for it. I own 30% of the company. So all my financials were great. I passed the medical test. I passed the biometrics test. There was nothing, basically, that was missing. Nothing at all. It's crazy. But I actually feel like dropping out. I took these concerns to Sarum Rowe. She's an organizer with Migrant Students United. The group is part of the larger Migrant Workers Alliance for Change Network. Rose says she is hearing from more and more international students abroad who are now stuck in limbo. No way forward, no way back. There was a change to study permit processing where the federal government introduced a two-step 
process where international students could start their studies abroad from their home countries, even before hearing back about whether their study permits were approved. What this has created and is another example of the exploitation that um, migrant student workers who have temporary status face is that many students paid tuition to these schools, started their classes online from their home countries. And as the permit was being processed in this two-stage process, their permits were rejected. These schools are saying that they won't refund the tuition fees. And so international students are caught in this impossible situation where the rules of the school and the rules of the federal government, immigration rules, are punishing them. I wanted to hear from Canadian schools. I wanted to ask what responsibilities they take for these outcomes. How do they even make sure that agents aren't misrepresenting their schools to foreign students? And what do they owe students like me who pay them significantly higher than what others pay, but who so often find themselves struggling or in trouble? I reached out to some of the institutions I've mentioned today, Laurentian University, Seneca College, and the University of Toronto. Laurentian and U of T did revert, but none of them provided a representative to speak with me. A U of T spokesperson sent me a statement that reads in part, U of T has been conducting international student recruitment for more than 20 years. U of T staff lead direct entry recruitment. The university does not contract with third-party recruitment agents or agencies. Our 30-plus trained recruitment staff, including two staff based in China and India, conduct international outreach to promote U of T and its programs to prospective students. Tuition fees at U of T are determined in accordance with the provincial government's tuition framework, the university's tuition fees policy, and the statement of commitment regarding international students. The statement goes further to say that tuition fee increases cover increases in cost. U of T receives no provincial or other funding support for international students. The higher tuition helps cover the cost of providing their education. Saram Rowe says the ultimate solution to the exploitation that international students face is as follows. By having temporary status, landlords, employers, and schools are able to take advantage and exploit us. So justice here would mean that all migrants, including current and former international students, all migrant student workers, would get permanent um, immigration status on arrival for those who come in the future, and everybody who is already here would get permanent resident status. I'll leave you with this, which is my current status as a recent graduate who came here to study because I want to live here. I have a work permit that allows me work and live in Canada for up to three years. I need one year of full-time employment in that time, after which I can apply for permanent residency. That's your Canada Land episode. If you like it, go tell somebody about it. You can email me at jesse at canadaland.com. I read everything you send. We're on Twitter at Canada Land. Our website is canadaland.com. If you go to canadaland.com slash jobs, you will see that we are hiring a new senior producer for this program, for Canada Land. Uh, if you think you might be right for this job, well, you might be. Apply. Come work with us. 
This episode was reported by Damalola Oname and produced by Tristan Capicione with assistance from Sharice Sucharan and Jonathan Goldsby. Our theme music is by So Called. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like this show, tell a friend. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.